Psalm 125, from the NLT version of the Bible. Those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated, but will endure forever. Just as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forever. And we're going to read the rest of this uh, psalm in a moment. But I just wanted to to land on these first few verses and say, how do you feel about the beginning of this new term? We talk about a new term. I know it's September, but it's like the new academic year and we've all been away for a long break. But I don't know, how do you feel about this new term? Do you feel, okay, let's do a little experiment. Uh, We'll do a half glass full, just for today, okay? A half glass full or or glass half empty, okay? So put up, if you're naturally a half, a glass half full person, Oh, okay, very, very good, okay. And just put your hand up if you are naturally a, half, a glass half empty person. Okay, it's probably about half and half, okay. But you know, so we, we, we sort of like the beginning of this new term, there are all sorts of things, excitement, there are challenges, we might go into work and we might have new colleagues, we might have new jobs, some of our kids might be going to new schools. There's lots of new things that are happening around us, but also there are some challenges around at the moment. And some of us may be feeling anxious about some of those changes. Some of us might be feeling, oh, the loss of people that were around. We might be thinking, how are we going to pay our bills? We may be thinking, who on earth is going to be prime minister tomorrow? It's all going to change tomorrow, isn't it? How are we going to face with climate change? And then we see all the stuff that's going on in the news. And then sometimes, sometimes we may even be thinking, oh, do you know, it's just the same old routine again. Like nothing's changed. And even that sometimes, that's what depresses me sometimes. You think, oh, it's just the same again. But all of these things, whether we feel like I'm really excited about the term heard or we're sort of like a little bit nervous, not really sure. I think there are a lot of things that can really sap our strength. I am not overly given to anxiety. But at this time of year, there are things that will, can just like eat away at you and you're thinking, how am I going to cope this particular term? And this psalm, Psalm 125, is this. It's saying, God is saying to you, listen, I will surround you. That's what he's saying. I am going to surround you. Over the summer, um, I have been reading Uh, Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, and there are 15 psalms. And if you look at them in your Bible, in the ESV, it says, each one of those 15 psalms, it says, it's a psalm of ascent. Or if you look in the NLT, it says, this is an old, uh, this is a song for pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem. And basically, those 15 psalms, have you ever found an old hymn book in your like, you know, when we used to have hymn books, there used to be these battered old things. You go into old churches and you find this really well-thumbed hymn book and it's falling apart. And, but Psalm 120 to Psalm they, to 134, there is this old hymn book hidden in Psalms. And every year, faithful Jews would go to Jerusalem. They would, every, three times a year, they would go up to Jerusalem and they would celebrate these different feasts. They would celebrate the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of the Tabernacles. And all these Jews, they would walk up to Jerusalem. And I don't know if you, wait, if you know what Jerusalem is like, but Jerusalem is quite set high. It's on a hill. It's like you see it up in a distance. And it's also surrounded by hills as well. So every year, three times a year, all these Jews would traipse up 
to this like to Jerusalem. And they'd be looking up and think, that's where we're aiming, that's where we're going for, this city on a hill. That's where we're going for. And do you know what they would do? They would sing these 15 psalms. Sometimes, you know, like when we go on holiday with our kids, we used to sing the wheels on the bus go round and round. And it was really tedious and really boring. What Jews did when they were traveling to Jerusalem, they would sing these psalms. They would know them off by heart. And when you look through these psalms, you realize that there's themes through, that run through each of them. And so as these people are walking up to Jerusalem, there'd be different themes that they'd be singing and celebrating. Think, oh, God, he's good. And the theme of Psalm 125 is this. Even though you don't know what's going on up there, God is surrounding you. You're secure. You're secure in God. I think it's like this, this metaphor, isn't it, as the Jews were walking up to Jerusalem. And they're thinking, no, we, we've got our eyes up. That's where we're going. Like, we are on a journey as well, aren't we? And we need to be looking up and looking to Jesus and saying, no, I'm going to sing all these songs about you. We're going to fix our eyes on Christ. Jesus made the journey, didn't he? He had that really interesting moment in Luke 2 where he travelled up to Jerusalem and then he got lost on the way back and he really annoyed his parents and all that sort of stuff. But... When Jesus and, his, and Joseph and Mary would have been travelling to Jerusalem, guess what? They'd have sung this song. They'd have sung this psalm. And they're thinking, God is surrounding us. God is keeping us. We're going to read the whole of Psalm 125 in a moment. But it is a song that just says this. You can have a confident, assured security when you put your trust in the Lord. The world might be in turmoil, and you might be in turmoil, but the Lord surrounds you, and the Lord will keep you. He's built a strong fortress. Just as there are physical hills around Jerusalem, and they'd be going up to Jerusalem, and then they'd see all these other hills around them. Actually, th those, those physically are the hills of Judea, by the way. I, didn't, I copied it from you version, but then I, I put in the background the real hills of Judea. So they would be seeing these hills and they're thinking, okay, just as these hills surround Jerusalem, I am secure in the Lord. And it's almost like God is saying, look, you can almost relax. Do you know, the, like the older I get, the, and I am obviously very old now, and I feel it, but I want to do all that God's called me to do. And I want to help you to do all that God's called you to do. But I want to do that from this place. But I just know that I am secure in God. That nothing can shake it. That nothing can shake that at all. Anyway, um, so let's, should we read the whole psalm? If we can go on to the next one. Um, that is... That's in the NLT version. To those who trust in the Lord, they are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated, but will endure forever. Just as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. The wicked will not rule the land of the godly, for then the godly might be tempted to do wrong. O Lord, do good to those who are good, whose hearts are in tune with you. 
But banish those who turn to crooked ways, O Lord. Take them away with those who do evil. Do evil. May Israel have peace. And I just want to read it in um, the ESV version of the Bible as well, because I think it's a, probably a clearer translation. 125, Psalm 125 in the ESV. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. But to those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. And peace be upon Israel. This, by the way, is not a psalm that says, if you put your trust in the Lord, everything is going to be really fine. It's just not saying that. It's not saying if you put the trust in the Lord, you will never have an argument with your husband or your wife. If you're not married, you will always find the perfect person. It's not saying that your life is going to be perfect. I don't don't know if you have ever been told that if you put your trust in the Lord, all your problems will go and all your questions will be answered. Have you been told that? I think sometimes I have been told that. Nothing can ever upset, if you put your trust in the Lord, nothing will ever upset your wonderful, perfect union with Christ. No doubts will ever come to your life at all. You will never have an argument with anybody ever again in your life. If you have children, they will be utterly perfect. They will never disobey you. They will grow up perfect young people. You'll never be understood, angry, lonely or ill. And you may have been told this, that if any of those things do happen, it's clearly an indication that God has got a little bit fed up with you and is turning his attention to people a little bit more zealous than you are. Trust me. I, I, you know, sometimes I, I believe that. But if you have believed that, can I just tell you something? You're wrong. You're wrong. And nobody likes to be told they're wrong, but you're wrong. And when I believe that, I am wrong. That is not what this psalm, this psalm is saying. Listen, sometimes life is going to get really hairy and messy and not very nice. But how are you going to survive? And that's the question that this psalm is asking. You know, when, when, you start, like, you know, when you're told that you're wrong, basically... God is just saying, look, there is a better way of doing things. I want to show you a better way of doing it than believing that I'm going to give you a better way. And that is the foundation of the Christian life, did you know? Repent, that is repentance. (laughs) Repentance is you just realise God's got a better way than you have. Now, I used to think repentance was just saying sorry when you did something really naughty. And then I could hear God saying to me, well, Duncan, I think you should say it like you mean it. You're not really sorry, are you? And this patronising voice, and then I'd have to say, oh, like, I'm really sorry. Now, that is what repentance is turning away. But actually, repentance is more. Repentance is this. It's realising God's got a better way. He's got a far better way of doing things. And actually, this psalm reflects that. And I think I needed to repent and say, God, you have a better way for my life. Sometimes life can feel really precarious. Does anybody ever compare yourself to other, other Christians and think they're doing a better job? Anybody ever? 
No one. Oh, that's really good. Only Pete McCaffrey. Pete, you're like... <laughs> I think we all do that, don't we? We all think, oh, that person there, they're doing a such better job. And they, when they pray, it sounds really good. That person there is never going to fall into sin. That person there is doing so much better. And then even these verses here, they talk about backslide. We don't talk about people who backslide anymore, do we? About people who lose their faith about people who sort of like were really passionate and now they just go off the boil. But it, it talks about it here. And we, we do know, you know, Paul spoke to, to Timothy and said, look, Hymenaeus and Alexander, they have shipwrecked their faith. But actually, we always like compare ourselves to other people thinking, no, they're doing better than us. But actually, what the Lord would say to you is this. Do not worry about them, but I surround you. Clearly, God wants us to go on a long walk of obedience in discipleship, day by day. And we want to, I want to, I do not want to, I don't want to come into 2023 the same man that I was in 2022. I want to become more like Jesus. But how do I do it? I do not do it by just trying to act differently. I do it by knowing that the Lord surrounds me. I'm confident in him. You know, um, Jerusalem was physically, it, took, it must have taken an extraordinary effort to build Jerusalem. You go there and the walls are like a mile thick. And then you can read the story, you know, Jill and I, we went there and we, we walked over these walls and we think, and then you can read the story in Nehemiah and you think, oh, it's a phenomenal story. But they were all built with human hands, you know. They were all built by people slaving away and doing all the work. And then actually Jill and I, we, we were on holiday and our family came out to, I don't know if you know, the Dordogne. Uh, in France, in fact, look, this, ooh, yeah, yeah, that's my house up at the top there, <laughs> bought it. <laughs> this is um, Bainac Castle, okay. Now, if you go to the Dordogne, it is, like, it is just a part of France that is phenomenal to go to. So we, we always camp there, we just love it, but it's filled with rivers and castles. And also, it's two-thirds, I didn't realise it, it's two-thirds of the way down France, and the Dordogne River used to be the border between England and France. So basically, we own two-thirds of France during the Hundred Years' War. Come on, great, that's the way to go. Anyway, that's not the point. But you have all these castles, you have all these castles. Yeah, all these castles all over front. And this is Castle Bainac, and about a mile away, there's another castle called Castle Castleno, which is, we were camping in the shadow of that. And that, the Castleno was, um, was owned by the English, and this was owned by the French. And then they just used to be opposite sides of the hill, looking at each other. And then they couldn't look at each other well enough, so they built another little castle so that they could relay messages and just, they'd be looking at each other, just checking they're all okay over the river. But this was built, and it took phenomenal effort to do it. And what is more importantly, it right up at the top of there, I wish I had a little pointy thing, but you can, can you see the castle thing right up at the top? Right up in there, there is this bedroom, okay? And it is, and it is actually the bedroom of Richard the Lionheart. Now, this was a French-owned castle, so I don't know why Richard the Lionheart had a bedroom in there. But anyway, but that is where it was. Now, we went up. In fact, can you go on to the next one, Ken? This is the photo of Richard the Lionheart's bedroom. Yeah. Right in the middle. So this castle was 
totally impregnable. And in fact, these castles, they were very rarely taken by force. The only way that armies could come in and take these castles was by subterfuge, by sort of like getting a spy in the back door and then he would open the door and then they would let all the they'd let everybody in, but very rarely could you attack it because, just go back to the castle again, Ken, thank you. I mean, you're not gonna scale those walls, are you? It's quite tricky. But, then, sorry, back to Richard's room. There's this castle. Now, I suspect that if I was Richard Lionheart, I could be in that castle and I would be totally secure. All hell literally could be breaking out around you. The walls of that room are they're like this. Thick. Nothing is going to get through them. Everything could be breaking out. But right at the most securest part, Richard's bedroom, secure. And I think that the Lord is saying this, that I have built a fortress around you. And and I am making you secure. Just as the hills surrounded Jerusalem, I am surrounding you and putting you in a secure place. And the thing is that this, this room, it was built by human hands. You know, people labored and built that castle. But actually the Lord is saying, no, I've built something. It's not you. I have built, it's not down to your good works, it's not down to your good effort, it's not down to how much you serve, how much you do teas and coffees, how much you beat the chairs away, how much you're nice to your, no, 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 the Lord is saying, no, I have built something that is secure for you. Psalm 46 verse 1 said this, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in time of trouble. And just before Jesus ascended into heaven in John 17, Jesus said this to, to his father. He said, Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. There is something about extraordinary exploits of faith, knowing that the Lord surrounds you. This week I had a meeting with Barnet Council, the leader of Barnet Council, and I was really worried and I thought, oh, I don't know, I need to do this, and I need to say that. And then I just, what, you know what I did? I read Psalm 125, and I thought, no, the Lord surrounds me. He will fight my battles. I am everlastingly secure in him. I read a, um, an article this week by a Nigerian author called Chine MacDonald. She's a scientist and a theologian, and she was racked with all sorts of questions about her faith and what it meant and she studied theology and she studied theology at university and it probably wrecked her faith and she was thinking oh, I don't know how to do this and then she just came back and said no my confidence is this that Jesus loved me Jesus lived and died and was resurrected it's nothing to do with me I'm putting my faith in Jesus life is not always straightforward um, sometimes my faith is robust I get up in the morning I think yes I can take the world and at other times I want to go back to bed Life is not always straightforward. But Jesus is saying this, I will surround you. What are some of the things that, that will rob us of that security in God? If you look at the people of Israel, one day they were marching through the Red Sea, they were unstoppable. The next day they were saying this, oh, we'd really like to go back to Egypt because the food was nicer. The disciples were in the upper room and they were having a great time with Jesus. Fantastic, we're being stirred, this is it. This is the history of the world being shaped. And then the next moment, what were they doing? They were walking around a courtyard saying, oh, I don't think we ever knew him actually. 
up and down all the time. But one thing is this, they always knew that they were God's people. They always knew that they were God's people. This week, I met an old, old friend on Mill Hill Broadway. I parked my car, and then the, the, drive, the uh, passenger window was open, and then this person was sitting there on the bench. And I said, oh, hello, haven't seen you for a while. The first, the first thing that this person said was, oh, I've been clean now for a certain number of months. I think it was five months. That they had, oh, their whole life has been wrecked with addiction. You know, if I'm really honest, it's been, you know, we, we've, I've known this person for a long time, and Jill and I, and actually they were being part of the church, you know, years ago. And, and, and I think they would also say that, you know, that the way they have lived their life has been challenging. And they've, I think they would say, you know, when they had no money, they would do all sorts of things to get any money to get by. And yet, when I spoke to this person, they said this, but I have never, ever doubted that I was God's child. <laughs> and I thought, I've never doubted that, even though all these ups and downs, all these ups and downs, thinking, yes, yeah, sometimes it's good. But this person said, I've never doubted that I was God's child. I have never doubted that God was gracious towards me. I've never doubted that God surrounded me. Now, was, that, was their life sort of like good? No, it wasn't. It was chaotic. And it was full of addiction and all sorts of things. But no, they said no. They were secure. This person was able to say, it was like that Richard the Lionheart room. They were totally secure in the love of God. And sometimes I think, you know, we need to be careful not to live by our feelings. Because sometimes we feel that, God, that life is good, therefore God is good. And sometimes we feel, oh, life is really bad, therefore God is really bad. And I just need to let you know that feelings are really important and they are really useful, but they are very dangerous sometimes. Sometimes they are so dangerous. This is a quote from Eugene Peterson uh, in a book that he's written on discipleship. He said this, Feelings tell me next to nothing about, about God or my relationship to God. My security comes... Sorry. Feelings tell me next to nothing about God or my relationship to God. My security comes from who God is, not how I feel. Discipleship is a decision to live by what I know about God, not what I feel about him or myself or my neighbours. Oh, it's good. That was really helpful to hear. And then he says this, the Bible wastes very little time on the way that we feel. Thank you. We live in an age of what one writer has called the age of sensation. We think that if we don't feel something, there can be nothing authentic authentically about doing something. But the wisdom of God says something very, very different. We have to go back to what does God, what do we know about God? What do we know about Jesus? What do we know about who Jesus is and what he has done? And I don't, I don't know, I think there's sometimes we think we're just not good enough. And therefore, we struggle and we, we go down. But God is saying this, no, know that I surround you. Know that you will, I will not let you go. Can you, can you lose your faith? Well, I think there's a theological argument over that. And I think when I was a 
when I was a teenager, I used, you know that thing about the unforgivable sin? I used, to, I used to do my head in. And I think, oh no, God, have I done it? Have I just gone and done it just now? And I, have I forgiven? <laughs> and I thought, God, please help me. And the truth of it is this. That unforgivable sin is saying you don't want to be forgiven. It is impossible to do that unconsciously. The only way you can commit the unforgivable sin is to turn intentionally, directly and purposefully away from the Lord and say, I do not want to have anything to do with this any longer. I don't think you can just quietly slip and commit the unforgivable sin. Three times in the Bible, Jesus says this, do not worry. And then he says this, do not worry. And then he says this, do not worry. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. I'm surrounding you. I'm surrounding you with my love. And then the best thing of all is this, that as we go on that, that journey up to Jerusalem, the Jews were walking up to Jerusalem to go and celebrate who God was. They would sing all these songs. As we go on our journey of faith, it says this, we do it by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Basically, we're following one who started the race and has finished the race. We're not doing it on our own, but we're following somebody who says, no, you can come and follow me. Life is complicated, and I suspect this term will be filled with joy, it'll be filled with laughter, but it will also be filled with challenge and it will be filled with uncertainty. But it will never ever be hopeless because the Lord surrounds you and keeps you for all eternity. Can I just ask you to stand? Sometimes at the, at the, beginning, of, at the beginning of term, we, well, years ago, we, we would have this thing where we have like a Vision Sunday. You know, the first one in September, oh, it's Vision Sunday. And basically, it's up to me to come and say, look, this is what we're going to do. And it's up to me to try and convince you that it's the right thing to follow what I want you to do. And if you do follow what I want you to do, then it makes me feel really good. And if you don't follow what I want you to do, it makes you, me feel really bad. And so we sacked that. And we just said, we're not going to do that. What we are going to do is this. We're going to say we're going to follow Jesus. And we're going to follow where he takes us. And every single one of us will have a different journey to go. But we need to follow Jesus knowing this, that we are secure and we are surrounded by Christ. We are surrounded by him. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would come now. We pray that in the term ahead, in the year ahead, in our lives that you would put us in this, this safe place of knowing that you surround us. For those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated, but will endure forever. Just as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now 
and forever. And we invite you, Jesus, would you pour out your Holy Spirit on us right now? That we would be those who don't get tossed around in the wind, but are rooted and secure in you. Holy Spirit, we pray that we would never doubt that we are your people. Pray, Lord, that we would never doubt that you are gracious towards us. Even in our failings, even when we're up and down, we say, come Holy Spirit. I pray birth something within us now, Lord. Lord, that we would be like that, that old friend that I spoke to on Mill Hill Broadway, just so confident. Life is difficult, but never question the fact that you love them, that they belong to you, that they are secure. Holy Spirit.